Welcome to the Isle of Horror Rental, delivering you all of your devilish delights, one tape at a time. I'm Jake Dalby, along with my co-founder, co-host, Parker Reed. Parker, how are you doing? Hey, Jake. Uh, new year, um, new opportunities for the store. What do you think? I know. It's been a little bit since the people have heard from us, uh, so I <clears> figured it'd be a great time for us to introduce some of the changes that we've had to our store, including couple of our new deals parker you want to run through the amazing deals that we have with the people if they stop into the store yeah so we have a great new one we're really excited about it it's kind of our you know headliner of all of 2021 it's going to be rent three slashers get one animal core rental for free and look we know we're taking a hit you know to the books there with that deal but we felt it just like that's what people have been asking for it's too good of a deal. You're not going to find that at Walmart. You're not going to find the other competitors. Uh, you know, felt like we we had to have it here. And speaking right. of competitors, Parker, I mean, it brings a tear to my eye, but pour one out for our homies at Family Video. Dude, Finally I'm, closing down. It sucks, but I mean, you know, it's going to work in favor for us. You know, people aren't going to go rent paranormal activity there anymore. You know, look, we're we're competitors at heart, but anytime a fellow store goes down into the dust. Uh, we got to pour one out, you know, it, it is a very sad. sad. Yeah. But speaking of store updates, we also have a brand new back room. Uh, we bought an air fryer Parker, uh, Parker and I, I think eat enough nuggets, uh, for a small civilization within a week. So we felt, uh, it was necessary to get those boys a little crispy. So uh, new air fryer in the back as well. Right. And Jake, you always go for the off brand of the chicken nuggets. Why is that? Look, I live by a simple code, and that's uh, nuggets in general. If they don't come from a name brand, they're going to be better. So, like, for example, Aldi's off-brand nuggets, one of the best nuggets you can buy. You know, mm. Walmart, great value, pretty decent nuggets. Tyson nuggets, which most people kind of put as the god-tier upper echelon of nuggets, low-key, really trash. So, mm. um, you know, I'm just saying, like, if you want you want good food, if you want to up your nugget game, live by that code the next time you go to the supermarket. Uh, Parker, uh, you know, it's been a little bit since we've we've talked movies, had a couple bonus episodes in between our regularly scheduled programming. Have you seen anything, uh, you know, on Shutter or on DVD or on, on the old telly uh, that's been horror related? I have. Since we last, <clears throat> since we last convened, I've been continuing my, um, we've had a couple of quests uh, my Friday the 13th rewatch, culminating in a rewatch of the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, which is amazing. Um, that is a fantastic documentary. Since our last series, I've kind of started a Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street rewatch as well. Uh, I'm through the fourth one. Um, I still think the first one is the best, but... Yeah, and before we, were, before we you know, started uh, hitting record, we were chatting a little bit, and you were talking a little bit about your comfort food uh horror movies and i was saying that for me it was nightmare on elm street and for you it happened to be puppet master correct yeah i think so and you know maybe one day we'll get to puppet master but puppet master it kind of has similar vibes to nightmare on elm street in terms of the fantastical nature and i think that's part of it but it's not as smart or clever even though nightmare on elm street eventually stops getting smart and clever uh puppet master never really was that and so it's fun to like have a definitive like brain off franchise that i think is really enjoyable and one that i've been meaning to rewatch for a while jake is the descent 
great, great movie. It's been, it's been a little bit since I've seen that, and uh, I always forget that there's a sequel to that movie, but that's got to be one of my favorite horror movies, not just of the 2000s, but honestly, of all time, you know, probably in wow. top 20. Or for probably, top, yeah, top 20, top 25. You know, it had it had been probably like almost a decade since I had seen it, and it, it held up. It, it holds up. Jake, have you watched anything recently? Yeah, so I started rewatching the Saw franchise. Uh, the mm. Saw franchise is kind of one of my favorites. I always feel like it kind of gets shit on um, because of its association with torture porn and kind of what people think Saw is, which, to be fair, after, I'd say probably the third movie, it definitely div- kind of turns into torture porn, and it's mostly about the kills. Um, but I do think the first three have a pretty decent storyline some decent suspense, especially in the first two, and the traps um, that Jigsaw puts together are actually pretty well done and kind of clever. Um, so I really enjoy them. Um, I weirdly started with the third one, and I'm planning to kind of go two one, and then the rest of the series, um, culminating in me watching Jigsaw because I have yet to see Jigsaw. Mm. I, I honestly forgot that, that movie had even come out. Jake, I got to be real. Uh, I got to be real with you. I have not seen a majority of the Saw movies. You know, I feel like Saw is one of those franchises where you either really like it or you really don't. It's a, it's a little polarizing, and I understand why, um, you know, for a lot of people, it's not mm. super fun to watch because, as I mentioned later sequels, it's definitely uh, gore over character development, if you will. Um, I guess that's a lot of horror movies, but even more so in Saw. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, speaking of rentals and movies we've seen, uh, looks like we've got a customer coming in. Hello. Thank you. All right, let me get this back into the system here. Let's see. Ooh, Parker. Hmm. One of our favorites. One, I think, really? that we've been meaning to talk about for quite a long time here. The start of the cult series, Wrong Turn. Whoa. Yes. Jim. Oh, oh, Jim. and there's another one underneath. Uh, oh, it looks like she got Wrong Turn 2 as well. A double feature, if you will. Dead End? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my she gosh. Was, she was looking to have a good time. Like, let's be honest. She knew what, what she was getting. She was now, now, Jake, I'm pretty familiar with the off of your recommendation. I've watched most of the franchise within the last year. I mean, you know, it's a little underrated in my opinion. And, you know, I think if we want to give it a whirl, we can maybe talk to the people about why we like it so much. Absolutely. mentioned this week we are talking about the first two movies in the wrong turn franchise starting out in 2003 culminating in the sixth movie uh, which was released in 2014 and getting rebooted slash remade we're not kind of 100% sure about plot details yet um, because we haven't seen it Um, but in the newest wrong turn reboot which is coming out uh, technically uh, by the time you're listening to this it's already come out 
but it will also be coming out in uh, February. Uh, mm. But yeah, Parker, as we mentioned, Wrong Turn is a really interesting franchise because I almost look at it a little bit like a cult franchise because, I mean, any franchise that has six uh, entries and on top of that, a upcoming reboot um, has its fans. And, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that um, you started watching it because of my recommendation. You know, up until you had watched it, I honestly knew no one who had seen Wrong Turn, let alone recommended it to anyone. <clears throat> yeah, I think I had watched the first Wrong Turn years ago. And I think we'll get into it. I guess it didn't like resonate with me that much. But then I think we were kind of, you know, getting into like a direct to video talk, maybe, you know, with Puppet Master or whatever we were watching at the time. And you were like, you know what had a lot of sequels was Wrong Turn. You know, I, I love when the franchises get to like, you know, the sixth or seventh entry. Because uh, at that point, it's almost guaranteed to have gone off the rails. Yeah, um, it's, it, you're yeah. right, because it usually doesn't happen for most franchises. It's, yeah, I guess obviously, you know, you have the big ones like your Friday and all those big franchises. It's, it is interesting because I think these smaller franchises are interesting because the direct-to-video market, they aren't like making, or they're making money. There wouldn't be a lot of them without making money, but obviously they aren't making Nightmare on Elm Street money or else they'd be in the theater, right? They're making a consistent, modest amount of money. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned direct-to-video because I feel like that's an interesting discussion to have nowadays because the direct-to-video market has definitely, I don't want to say has completely dissolved because I think it's more so just morphed and changed into what we see now on like um, independent movies being released on Shutter or, um, you know, on streaming services. But like, the idea that, you know, you have a franchise like Wrong Turn or even like some stupid like Joyride and it's going to get six sequels that go direct DVD, that just doesn't really happen anymore. You know, usually a franchise, you know, if it makes a ton of money at the box office, it'll get a sequel. If not, for the most part, it's going to be a one-off thing. So I always think about like this era of like 2000, 2001, to, you know, to about 2008, 2009 as like to me at least almost the era of direct-to-video releases you know i always think about like sci-fi original movies and how you know for a lot of horror franchises like if you got a sci-fi original that's how you knew your franchise was in the shitter and probably wasn't going to be coming back like i was thinking of the later like lace like lake placid sequels or stuff like that so uh, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure one of this one or two of the species sequels were also yeah yes species is a good example yeah it's is interesting because Wrong Turn definitely started off as a, you know, I don't want to say big budget, but, you know, it got released in the theaters. It was a very traditionally released horror movie. And then, yeah, as it went on, it was eventually, uh, you know, kind of just turned into some it, schlocky right. shit. It, and this is this is going to be an interesting one to talk about, uh, this entire f- series, because um, the with Blair Witch and Final Destination, every entry was theatric re- theatrically released. So not only are we shifting to some direct-to-video content, a majority of the wrong term franchise has been released direct to video. Yeah. So there's a very good chance that I would be willing to bet that a lot of our audience probably has not seen um, the later sequels. So again, we'll be very interesting to go over them and compare to the original because, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I look at the first movie as being almost sterile and really ordinary compared to um, the later sequels because they mm. definitely uh, go off the rails. But 
you know, to start, uh, movie was released in 2003. Um, we kind of talked about how it seems to be forgotten a little bit. And honestly, like if you look, so in 2002, we had 28 Days Later, The Grudge, Cabin Fever, The Ring. Mm. And in 2003, we had Open Water, the Texas Chainsaw remake, Freddy vs. Jason, Jeepers Creepers 2, Final Destination 2. A mm. lot of really big sequels, a lot of really big horror hits there. I mean, a lot of those um, eventually spawned franchises. So it makes a little bit of sense to me. Now, I don't want to act like Wrong Turn didn't make money because it did, obviously. Um, and, you know, it did fine. And even critically, it, it didn't get like panned or anything. Um, but it makes sense why, you know, when you look back kind of on that era, a lot of people think of, I think, The Grudge, The Ring, even like Jeepers Creepers to an extent. Um, right. And Wrong Turn seems to be kind of left out of that conversation. Yeah, I think Wrong Turn really is like, if those are like the A tier movies, Wrong t or wrong Turn, A and B tier, Wrong Turn is definitely like in the C tier of that in terms mm-hmm. of how many people remember it, how well regarded it was, and frankly, the, you know, the quality of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I guess to kind of get into it, um, the setup for Wrong Turn, I think, is interesting because in my mind, the setup itself kind of begins to show that Wrong Turn as a franchise really doesn't have an original bone in its body. Uh, you know, we alluded to it in our, in our bonus episodes, but if you're unaware, um, the first Wrong Turn follows a two groups of people. Uh, the first group is a group of friends who are kind of just out in the wilderness. They're camping. Um, and then a random guy named Chris, who is uh, driving, I believe, back home to meet um, somebody. I kind of forget. Um, and I think he has, uh, he has a job interview he's getting to. That's right. Yep, a job interview. And uh, they end up, his car and the car of the stranded uh, campers, they collide. And suddenly, after taking a wrong turn, they are stranded in the woods in what I believe is West Virginia. And not only are they stranded in the woods, um, but they are also being hunted down by inbred hillbilly cannibals. We're never really sure about exactly what they are. Uh, you know, they're they're definitely cannibals, but they're kind of like hunters. Uh, you know, they're sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of different horror tropes. Right. Um, but that's kind of your basic setup. Uh, Parker, any thoughts on kind of, as I mentioned, the setup there or or... I guess the general plot of wrong turn this the original movie is super bare bones because it opens on this dude driving in the car and then he goes down a road and then you can almost tell like right when it starts <clears throat> you know when the cars crash when the cars crash and you're like oh okay you know and because then they're like oh the barbed wire was put here on purpose like it's it's super like paper thin and um, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to a pretty decent cold open it has uh, with uh, two unrelated rock climbers. Um, I think that's kind of a fun action, uh, small scene. Yeah, it does a good job of establishing the threat um, within the woods. And it's kind of cool that um, they're not the, you know, cannibal freak hillbilly people aren't sure. exactly shown. So it does kind of lead you to sort of try to guess in your mind what, the threat is or what they look like um and like uh-huh. i wouldn't call <laughs> wrong turn necessarily scary um but you know it's a good little intense opening and it, it helps that the first wrong turn takes itself a little bit more seriously than the later sequels mm-hmm. so there is a good sense of dread that is built from that um cold open so yeah i agree i, I think it was a really good way to, to start <laughs> I, the movie 
I think the opening credits are also funny because it's a classic, like, you know, newspaper clippings are rolling across the screen or whatever. And I wrote down two in particular that were like masked exposition. Like one of them said West Virginia in very like bold font. And then another one said inbreeding in really bold font. <laughs> yeah. And yep. It's funny, but also I think it's a flaw because it's like, oh, okay, we know that these aren't just, they, you know, I, I don't think wrong turn, unlike say, you know, the original Friday the 13th, it doesn't do a good job of like masking the identity or like motive. Like they kind of infer right out of the gate that these are just mindless people, mindless killers. Yeah, we, we don't really get much of a backstory as to why they do what they do. Uh, <laughs> like he said, we just know they're inbred, not only because they tell us, but because they look like it. Um, and we know they're cannibals because they eat other people and we know that they hunt right. people because they hunt people and that's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. and like, to be honest, I, I don't really need a ton. I, it doesn't bother me. I think it's because the opening is so fast. I mean, it's what, like within 10 minutes or so you basically have the, the setup already completed and they're being hunted. Um, well, it's funny that you say, um, that it's fast because it, it is fast in a sense, but I wrote down here uh, when I, they go into the house um, in the, you know, they're, so they go into the yeah. house and they're kind of exploring because they're trying to get to, you know, civilization to get help for their cars. Uh, they find this house, they're walking around. And when the, uh, what are they, are, are we calling them the killers, the cannibals, whatever? We'll just call them so, cannibals. Sure. Okay. They walk in and I, check the timestamp that was a third of the way or more than a third of the way through the movie is at 30 minutes and there's less than an hour left um by the time we get them and maybe i'm just accustomed to like the newer ones where it's like all about the cannibals um so i i was almost like it's because after the car crash there's a lot of scenes of them walking and talking and uh not to like uh not to like retread old ground from final destination days but we have a pretty bland ass lead leading man in the original wrong turn yeah we can kind of i guess do a little overview of the characters so we have chris who is our main hero uh and when i say i I wrote down main dude because there is almost no discernible qualities of this man besides right. that he is meant to resemble <laughs> a stone wall and i guess looks chiseled uh, i think i think alex from the original final destination has more personality than him I would agree. And I would say she also acts better. Uh, it's, it, the dude who plays Chris is it. It's not good. Uh, yeah. We also have Scott who is sort of the, the male leader, if you will, of the um, other group of friends, not related to Chris. Um, we have Jesse who is basically just the male version of Chris. And I say that in that she is just as boring. Um, and it's sort of one of the final girls. Um, we have Carly who is one of the most annoying characters in the entire movie. Um, mm -hmm. And I also wanted to point out that she is in Don't Mess with the Zohan. Uh, oh, my one God. Of, yeah, did you notice that? She's like the main no. love interest of Adam Sandler <laughs> in that movie. Because the whole time I'm like, I know her from somewhere. What the fuck? And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, my God, she's the hairdresser in Zohan. So I, I haven't thought about Don't Mess with the Zohan in a decade. I weirdly know that movie too well, apparently, because <laughs> it came immediately to mind. Um, 
we have Evan, who is your stereotypical douche and who also looks like he just walked out of a time machine from like 2002. Dude, I want to talk about that dude's sunglasses or glasses, whatever's on his face. He looks like he's out of an in sync video. Like it's right. terrible. I don't, right. and they're, they're going camping. Like, what are you doing? Also, uh, Evan is, um, oh, I think his name's Kevin Zeigler, and he is also in uh, Frozen. Uh, not the anime oh. Frozen, but the Stuck on a Ski Lift Frozen. Uh, cool. Again, another guy where I was like, oh, I, I recognize his face. Uh, and then we have Francine, who is Evan's uh, boo. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, these characters are terrible. And like, I, when I say terrible, I mean really bad. And like, Chris is, Chris is such a nothing character in that he has zero personality. I'm not really rooting for him. Other, like, we know he's strong. We know very little about him i don't want him to be the leader like it's just very one note um and it doesn't help that basically every other supporting character in my opinion doesn't elevate anyone as i mentioned jesse is just the uh not the male version the female version of chris um and then <laughs> carly is just annoying as shit and then evan and francine basically get offed within you know 20 minutes or so of getting introduced to them right i <clears throat> i do think that jesse is the best character i think that she <clears throat> does the best job performance wise and she's one of the only characters that we actually learn something about when they're chilling out hiding under the waterfall we do learn that the they are out there because you know she had just been out of a breakup and her four friends um rushed to like take a trip with her to get her mind off it so i guess we do know that they are decent friends um but yeah they are still very mm -hmm. kitty pool deep yeah i wouldn't say the characters are like like in a previous episode we talked about final destination 3 about how those characters are so like not even just annoying they're just kind of shitty people so we don't root from these are not shitty people they're just very boring and there's not a whole lot to them uh, so it does make once the you know the bodies start falling, it does make you care a little less. Uh, and I do think it weighs down the film a little bit, but I don't think it necessarily is a massive detriment. Mostly because I think the cannibals are really good. Uh, I I think not only do they look awesome, uh, the makeup is really really solid throughout. It's like one of the biggest marks I can give the series. I think the makeup is very very well done, and they look cool. Um, but they also kind of have unique personalities in a way. It's fun how they. Uh, you know, without really using dialogue with the cannibals, they're able to give them sort of the, their own personality through body movement and the way they kind of shake their head and the way that they hunt. Uh, you know, so in a way, those are kind of like our best characters in the movie. I mean, to the point where, um, and I don't know if they really ever intended it to be like this, but uh, one of the cannibals is known as Three Fingers and is like the only really returning character in the later sequels. Yeah, I, I don't think, and maybe it's because uh, since it's the first movie, they kind of keep them out of the limelight to make them a little bit more mysterious. Um, I don't think we get like a great, we don't get many great looks at the cannibals in this one, as opposed to the later ones when they're on screen like the entire time, even like the the next movie that we'll talk about after this. Um, I think they, they do do a decent job of, like keeping them hidden until the chase starts, I guess. I guess they are actually, I don't know, because there's the junkyard scene when they're in, but then they're like, even when they're stalking, like in the woods, I don't know, they're a little bit more mysterious. They aren't as like, like spotlight the entire time. But so, so once they are discovered, so the cannibals come home and eventually find 
the people at their house. The the movie basically becomes a chase slash stock movie for the rest of the runtime. Yeah, and this is where to me some of my problems with the movie start to kind of come up because as you mentioned, you mentioned how the beginning felt slow to you. To me, the middle, um, and even part of the end feels slow because uh anytime the cannibals aren't being shown, I'm really, really bored because the characters suck and I, I don't really want to know mm. about them. So the movie sort of divulges into this series of scenes where our characters get chased through the woods and someone gets offed and then they kind of sit for a little bit. Cannibals find them again. They run a little bit. Someone gets off. And you might be saying, well, aren't you just describing every horror movie, you know, every slasher ever? And to an extent I am, but I think there's a little bit more style to it. Whereas here, because they're in the woods, the location isn't as interesting. And I don't think it's as well done as say something like Friday the 13th. Um, you know, I think back to like when they're up in the, um, what is it like the, what do you call that? Where it's in the woods, it's that giant like lookout. Is that what the it is? The watchtower? The watchtower, yeah. Like, you know, when they get up there, like that's probably, I guess, the most interesting part of like this other, the later half of the movie. Cause it's like, oh, how they, how do they get down? You know, blah, blah, blah. But yet for me, the movie, its pace began to slow down a little too much for me. Um, where I was just like, man, I really want the cannibals to get back on the screen because they're the most interesting part. Right. And I I do want to uh, give Wrong Turn some credit in terms of, I do think they it does a pretty good job of, even though we're in the woods the entire time, I never got tired of the setting that we were in, ironically enough. I think they do a good job of, um, I think the beginning's slow because we're just walking through nondescript woods, but then we go into the house we run out of the house to a junkyard. Uh, then we end up in a watchtower. They jump into a tree, the tree section, which is actually a pretty decent uh, stage that they have going there. And then yeah, we that, have that the water. Cool. Then we have the waterfall. I think they did a pretty good job of having uh, utilizing enough possible environments that it doesn't feel like oh, we're just in the woods for ninety minutes straight. And what I think is cool is you mentioned like the junkyard, like there's a couple of decent ideas of sort of setting up um, visual examples of the history of this area. So for example, you know, they get into that area and you can see a bunch of cars and like luggage from other campers. And so you can kind of assume that these cannibals have been here for a while and they've taken a bunch of people. Like when they go in the house, there's like a bucket filled with IDs and, um, keys from people's cars it's little details like that that i do like um because it just it adds just a tiny bit of lore uh to the wrong turn universe um which i appreciate um but it kind of going back to what i was talking about earlier with like the movie not having an original bone in its body um i don't necessarily mean that in a terribly negative way but to me this is a straight up mixture of friday the 13th uh mostly because of the wooded backdrop and also the fact that um kind of early on in the film it appears that the surrounding town is sort of in on the danger and actively leads our characters to that kind of doom zone um the hills have eyes mostly just because again it's inbred psychos hunting travelers in a remote area and then texas chainsaw because of just the general kind of gross cannibal vibe and you know and this is there's a more direct reference to texas chains on the second movie but um, absolutely it, it's definitely here and so and I, I say that because it's not an, it's not a bad thing it's just that uh 
you know, along the way, I kind of knew what to expect because the movie does very much follow the blueprint of those other horror movies. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's almost hard. To, there are things to praise. Uh, one thing that is notice, notable about Wrong Turn is that it is a horror movie that uh, is primarily set during the daytime, which I think people have been talking about recently with the release of Midsommar. Uh, like this, besides the watchtower and the um, tree sequences, it's it primarily is set in the daytime. So it actually, I think there's some pretty decent directing going on here. I think there's some nice shots of wilderness, obviously. And I guess it's not that hard to get nice shots of wilderness. I think there's some nice framing. Uh, but I think your influences are absolutely spot on. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I mean, I didn't kind of register that until you said it, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's cool because, you know, there's a lot of shots where, like, they're running through the woods during um, the day, and you can kind of hear the cackling of the uh, hillbillies in the background or, like, their truck. Uh, their truck is, like, a really cool, uh, almost a character in of itself because it always has a body stretch along the front and just the sounds that it makes. Like, it, it, it is very intense, something that we'll talk about with the second movie, but I think they did a pretty decent job of consistently building suspense and you know keeping on the tension of being hunted in the woods and and like you said the the daytime aspect is cool because again uh, you know we don't normally see that and it just kind of drills the point home of you're never safe in the woods and uh, it, it definitely leans into that we talked about this before but like that universal truth of a lot of good horror movies are built on these like universal fears that people have and you know this one very much is being stuck in the woods or breaking down you know or, or spending the night in the woods um, and i think it does a good job of that right jake um i guess what would you consider wrong turns strong suit is there anything that uh, wrong turn excels at to you um you know like i said i i i think it's a pretty good thriller i i think it's pacing i i know i mentioned that i had some issues with that i still think it's pretty good pacing i think to me, like the best part of it is the gore and is the is the makeup because I think that's all really well done. I think the cannibals do look awesome. And especially in this movie, they're definitely the most frightening. Um, you know, I found myself, you know, at times kind of tensing up as some of the chase sequences were happening. And so I think from a direct a direction standpoint, um, it, they do a very good job of keeping you on your toes. Uh keeping the action moving and making the cannibals kind of an interesting um, adversary. Uh, so I, I, from my perspective, that's kind of what it does. Well, what about you? Uh, I, th I think I'm trying to think if this counts. I, maybe the pacing and maybe the not set design per se, because a lot of it is like outdoors, but I, I do think I did think that they played enough with the, environments so i even though it felt fresh i liked the change of environment so even though basically what they're doing is just running away from things we are in different places it kind of raises the stakes like when they're up in the trees that's fun and we even get one of the best kills which the gore is also one of the best parts of this movie um when i believe it's three finger uh chops carly uh from the middle of the head i think it's her jaw maybe oh uh, yeah. her mouth and then her, the bottom from her jaw down um, just like falls down the tree. That's a pretty good effect. 
There's also that one where I think it's Francine when they're hiding under the bed in the house and they drop her on the ground and you can see the barbed wire kind of wrapped around her cheeks. Yeah. Through her head. And then like there's blood pulling out another really good effect. I think that's pretty good too. Uh, A couple, I mean, a lot of my biggest issues with this movie, besides it kind of being like a little vanilla is I think it has like a lot of annoying movie tropes in terms of, I wrote down here, there's at least two times in this movie when when someone goes, I'm over here, come and get me. Hey, I'm oh, here. And yeah. then they all just follow them as if like, wouldn't they prioritize the larger group of people or whatever? Or why would you make it obvious that you're trying to set them, like make them run away from the other group? Like, why wouldn't you just run? <laughs> And then I also wrote down uh, Damsel in Distress. Uh, Jesse kind of just gets kidnapped and it's up to our, you know, Ritz cracker of a character, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, to go and save her. And But another issue I do have, Jake, is that it seems like the cannibals are taken out without that much effort. It seems like they kind of punch them and stab them a couple times each and they go down. Yeah, there's not like a ton. Like it, it doesn't seem very climactic when they die. Like you would think it'd be like defeating a big adversary is this big deal, but not really. I mean, besides the very end of the movie, um, <laughs> which we can talk about. Right. Um, that's kind of the only time where it's like, oh wow, shit, they actually like they killed him. All right, uh, you know the rest, they, they just get stabbed or something. You're right. Also, Chris fucking yeets that truck through the front of the their building as if like. Did he see where Jesse was being held? He could have easily fucking demolished her. Or he could have just truck. like he could have just stabbed him, or or literally anything else. Like I don't understand. And I guess we can just get to the ending because it's kind of stupid. Uh, you know, Chris shows up to save, uh, to save Jesse, and I just love the way it ends with Chris staring down the camera and what does he say? Like just motherfucking die or something like yeah. that. In, in, Oh God. And I, I wrote down, I was like, they couldn't have done more takes. Like, was that like they run out of money and that one taken done? Like, mm. come on, man, that's the most effort you can give for that line. And then it they re- just get blown up. Right. And then there isn't much resolve. They go back to that gas station where, um, you know, there is kind of a, you know, strange, uh, worker there. He, they take a map and they drive off and that's essentially the end. Yeah, it's weird because there's no setup for a sequel, like at all. It literally right. just ends uh, and it, it is really kind of disappointing and I guess the, I don't know if I need to give the movie credit or not, but at least they didn't make Chris and Jesse like romantically involved at the end because that would yeah. be really stupid. Uh, they do just kind of, they're just chilling in the car and they just sort of like drive away as if literally nothing happened. They didn't just, you know, massacre an entire group of inbreeds or that. (laughs) Right. Uh, There is, there isn't like too much credit to be given, but it would have been easy because there are six people, three men, three women, and the other four people are matched up. So it would have been easy to like, because they almost set it up because I think, I think they do kind of hint at it a little bit because she's like, Oh yeah, my boyfriend. we just uh we just split and i i think he like raises his eyebrows a little bit <laughs> like Chris like, yeah okay 
Yeah, you mentioned it earlier, but my biggest problem with the movie is it's just really vanilla. You know, we I, when I mentioned those horror movies earlier um, from 02 and 03, uh, you know, 20 Days Later, The Ring, Cabin Fever, Jeepers Creepers, Freddy vs. Jason, like all of those, you know, outside of obviously the big franchise like Freddy and, you know, Leatherface, uh, they all sort of have a shtick to them or they have something right. that is unique to them whether it's like in the grudge of the rings case where it's a unique setup or a unique um sort of creature or if it's like cabin fever where it's a very different take on horror uh wrong turn just really isn't that it's it is a well-made kind of slasher thriller um and that's about it because there's just there's not a whole lot original the characters suck the story you know, uh, we describe it to you. There really isn't much more than that. Um, and it's, you know, it's about 90 minutes long. So it, it's like, it is very harmless. I don't, it isn't, it's not a bad movie, uh, but it certainly isn't amazing. And to me, it is a little shocking that it did get as many sequels as it did because like, if you're, you know, if you're going to base a franchise on something at face value, this to me at least doesn't feel like the type of movie you would, based on although it is easy to do because the setup is very repeatable mm -hmm. yeah and it's almost um I, I, I don't know if we want to transition or whatever but it is funny because we didn't get a sequel to this movie for a few years it's not like it was projected to be uh, a sequel they didn't set it up there is like a brief uh, uh coda where they go back to the cabin, which they left burning, and one of the cannibals is at least still alive. So I guess it hints at the possibility, but I don't think it went into theaters and they were like, okay, uh, sequel coming up, you know? Well, I think maybe the reason it took them so long is it took them four years to think of just how batshit of a sequel they could make. And, <laughs> uh, they ended up doing it, and what came out is wrong turn to dead end yeah it is but watching them back to back uh i noticed right away that in the first movie they come across a sign that says a dead end that's like right up on a cliff and i was like Haha. <laughs> they knew they knew yeah jake this movie's fucking crazy uh this movie rocks dude it's so much fun uh <laughs> like it's so weird because Basically, all the complaints that I had about Wrong Turn 1 are not, they're not, like, present here at all. Uh, and, like, I was telling you, you know, when we were watching it together, uh, like, I barely had any notes for Wrong Turn because it just kind of, it, it's not a nothing movie, but it just doesn't leave a massive impact. Right. After Wrong Turn 2, like, I had, like, pages because I was like, <laughs> and, and Wrong Turn 2 for me was a movie that I saw a ton as a kid. It was one of those, um, you know, I don't know if you have them, but like, uh, you know, here at the, at the rental store, sort of like movies that you as a kid would pick up all the time and just continuously watch. You know, on my dad's account, he allowed us to rent R-rated movies from kind of a younger age. So like me and my friends would always go and get movies and like, oh, oh yeah, I felt like an absolute boss. Uh, <laughs> But this is one that I would get all the time because I just thought it was like the sickest thing ever. So I have a lot of memories of this, but it had been a while since I watched it. And it's funny because the one thing that I remember from this movie before I saw it again, um, and it's something that <laughs> I kind of told you is it's Survivor Horror Edition. That's yeah. literally, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, literally, yeah. literally the movie. What's funny is like this isn't even like so 
uh, here at the store, we are also both Survivor fans. Uh, stands, uh, depending on the day. Yeah, uh, I would say it's, Parker uh, is is, and I would almost say historian at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do love Survivor, but this is 2007. This movie came out in, I guess Survivor was still popular, but it wasn't like the zeitgeist like it was like five or six years before. So like, it's it's kind of interesting. It's a good point because, and maybe before we kind of start talking about that, we can sort of lay the groundwork of sort of (laughs) what this movie's about, because I think that plays a lot in what we're talking about here. Essentially, Um, and you're gonna have to help me with the name of the, of the, the show. Cause I can't remember what they call it, but basically, uh, it is about a group of, um, people that like, some of them are actors. Some of them are like, want to be athletes. Uh, it, it, it's basically a group of stereotypes and I, I don't think they're very, um, subtle with them being stereotypes. I think they want them to be stereotypes. Um, but basically getting put into the woods and then you have Henry Rollins for some reason, who is basically uh, your host, like, I guess, like a Joe Rogan uh, from Fear Factor, um, who is leading this reality show where basically you have to go into the woods as a group and survive. I believe it's called, like, Survive Apocalypse Survival or something like that. It's something Apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, and essentially it's like the apocalypse has happened and you have to go and do a bunch of tasks. It's basically Survivor, except it just doesn't make any sense. I'm, I, I watched this movie twice, and I still don't understand how you play it or how you win. I'm fairly <laughs> sure the writer's room just kind of made it up as they went because it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, yeah. But in a lot of ways, this movie plays out. Oh, and I should mention that the contestants of the game show arrive. They start shooting, and then... I guess they set up shop directly next to the cannibal's house because they don't have right. the location at all. Uh, and so the cannibals start hunting them down one by one. But Right. They don't even, like, do anything to incite violence. It just kind of... No, they just, like, were 20 feet from them, I guess. And, and right. you know, they, they show up. But like I was saying, in a lot of ways, this movie plays out like a satire or a parody of reality tv and you know around this time you know this came out in 2007 um you know i'm kind of trying to remember what was out at the time but i always think of like all the shit on vh1 so not only you know your survivor bachelor big brothers but stuff like pimp my ride uh god that really fucking awful show like with brett michaels where he's trying to find like mm-hmm. a wife or Dude, are you the talking- flavor of are you talking about Rock of Love? Or? Hell yeah, I am. Yeah, is that dude. what it was called? Yeah, yeah. Or like I Love New York, uh, yeah. Flavor of Love, yeah. like all of those. Like not even really Survivor, but more just like those really shitty reality shows that are so obviously fake and staged. Right. Yeah. It this movie takes a very kind of fun poke at them, and because of that, the tone is wildly different than the first Wrong Turn. Right. I mean, this is um, almost a straight horror comedy, uh, at least for the first half. Uh, Toward the end there, it does kind of get back into just traditional uh, horror. But I think the Survivor like intro actually does kind of work because, A, it kind of feeds into the trope of horror movies uh, having stereotype characters because it's like, oh, yeah, it's a reality show. Most reality shows cast stereotypes. Yeah, uh, there's even, like there's a jock, there's a like a typical like 
you know, beauty, there's a brains, there's a goth. Right. Uh, and I, I almost think it's fun that <laughs> I think it is fun that we do get an in-universe excuse to just introduce each of them as a stereotype. And it's almost a game in terms of they each get their own little like intro like where they hit a pose and say a catchphrase and you as a viewer almost get to because you're watching wrong turn to dead end you know that some of them are going to die and you get to kind of get to guess oh how many are going to earth i think this person's going to survive it's it's almost like a morbid like version of it instead of like who wins it's like who's not gonna die (laughs) that's funny it's almost like you remember in um cabin in the woods that scene where the scientists are taking bets on who's going to win and someone wins each week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is kind of like that. And you make a good point. It, it really sets the tone for what the rest of the movie is going to be about because it plays out almost like this reality version of a horror movie because um, all of the contestants are outfitted with mics and these sort of like very, I guess, early versions of like a GoPro. Um, mm-hmm. The, the setup is actually really similar to Hall, uh, Halloween Resurrection. Uh, mm. I don't, have you seen Halloween Resurrection? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to that in that it's, it's uh, <laughs> again, trying to sort of be like reality television of you're seeing it from a character's perspective, which leads to some kind of like uh, funny interactions. Obviously, there's a scene where like someone's watching a TV and the killer's wearing the camera and it comes behind them. Like, you know, it, it is very much like that. But yeah. As you mentioned, I think the setup in and of itself is the best part of the movie because it's very different. Like, they could have very easily gone with just another group of strangers comes into the woods and gets murdered, which, to be fair, is exactly what happens. But it's more the fact that they decided to go so batshit insane with it that I really appreciate. Yeah, like, just to get out of the way, this movie is, like, within the first three minutes, uh, even just by the opening, like, the the cold open this uh this movie is noticeably trashier noticeably you can tell it's a direct-to-video sequel it, it looks a little worse uh it's, it's a little cornier yeah gorier. like the uh-huh. opening kill is nasty it's I mean, it's pretty girl, good girl, yeah getting out she gets cut in half and then not only does she get cut in half but three fingers and crew carry each half of her body away as the title sequence comes up which Speaking of the title sequence, I did want to add that it is funny that it is essentially a ripoff of the alien title sequence uh, with like how it, it spells out wrong term, but like each letter of wrong term slowly gets revealed <laughs> with the dead end coming in. Yeah, it's just like the opening of Alien, which again, like it's just another kind of funny reference that they put in. And it, it it's fun that they are, you know, so self-aware of what they're doing. And I think the what we're talking about kind of the parody or comedy aspect even kind of find their way into the cannibals because the cannibals have considerably more personality and more like i guess things to do in this one like there's very clearly like a mom there's a there's like a dad there's like kind of like i guess the teenagers of the cannibals um and they all sort of like there's like they kind of fight with each other there's a scene where they eat at a dinner table, there's a scene where one of them jacks off uh, at oh, one of the yeah. girls, which is a weird scene. And then, like, I guess his girlfriend finds him and beats him up, which is kind of kind of funny. Uh, but I, I found myself really liking that because, again, the cannibals are the best part. And the fact that they see 
way more screen time here. I mean, they are almost constantly on screen. Um, but the fact that they kind of have fun with them is, is something that I really like. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of backshit crazy stuff. Like, like <laughs> this entire movie just has me like almost speechless. Like the like everyone breaks up into pairs and and I don't even know how this guy, the main guy, um, oh Henry there, or, Rollins or, or not, no, sorry, not Henry Wall, the the cameraman. I guess he's the oh, he's, uh, they call him M, right? Yeah, is is that like a nickname or is that like on IMDb? I, his character is credited as as M, so I think it's just like yeah, it's like do, a shortening or a nickname. Yeah, uh, dude, part of me was like, <laughs> this is me one hundred percent reading too much into it but it, i was almost like it almost seemed like the way that people like transition talk because this woman that he's uh uh invested in is like is like oh thanks michael and then michael says uh hey i go by m now or something like that but then <laughs> when it's revealed that m gets like um the cheats on her she starts calling him michael again and once again that is me reading into something that's not even there but i noticed you are, you that are giving it way too much credit but i love Exa- it. exactly i'm not saying that's what it is at all i was just <laughs> because i'll put it this way michael slash m isn't exactly like a <laughs> no and he's, he's, a, he's isn't layered at all yeah. he's terrible like it, it, basically so the producer of the show is his girlfriend and like for the first you know, quarter he's like oh my god i love you babe like yo, oh my god we're together forever and then like a random hot girl is like, do you want a BJ? And he's like, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and let, it's let's a ter- go. And it's a terrible fake blowjob. And like, and you're on like a rocky beach making it like, what are you doing? It's terrible. And, and, and then like, of course the girlfriend comes over and she's like, heart, she's like, I thought M was the one. And I was like, really? That was the one. <laughs> like, uh, that's the love of your life. Uh, dude, it was, so much happens in such little amounts of time. Because right before then, um, God, I forget her name. The girlfriend, the producer, um, she was like having doubts. She does it because the person in the intro that dies was supposed to be on the show, right? And yeah. so Michael slash M is like, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Like, what what a shoestring uh, production this is that they a, pro- <laughs> a producer had to step in. They didn't have any like." reserves because i know for survivor and big brother for every cast member they have someone on reserve that if they drop someone comes in uh the, but the other the other thing with but, that is and like i again i'm also reading too much into it but at one point one of the girls gets naked like we see her boobs and m's whole thing is he wants to basically shoot a sex scene like what the fuck show is this on hbo or like this is definitely <laughs> not cable like what it, it's like a porno mixed with a game show. Like what is this airing on? That's the it, whole it, thing I kept thinking. It's super weird because that guy, uh, God, I can't remember the name. Oh, his, of name's, any of these guys. his name's Jake. Yeah. The jock guy. Uh, the one who he M's telling him to have sex with. The girl. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, it, like, but yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, Oh yeah. Get, Cause it, what he just shows up. Because they're like, they made it to like a rocky beach and M just shows up and it's like, okay, okay, ready, ready. And she like steps into the water, takes her top off, flashes her boobs. And then Jake's like, oh, like, I'm not okay with this. <laughs> like, what is this? And then 
what does she say? She's like, I want my screen time regardless. I know how to get it. And it's not enough that she's physically attractive. She has to like, the, what is the logic that she sucks him off? And because of that, he will be grateful to her and then shoot I, her more. I guess she gets like more scenes or because maybe it's scripted. She just wins. Like, I don't, yeah, I, wasn't, dude. I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure of the logic either. And also like, I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to say this and it's way TMI. <laughs> so I'm just going to go for it. But you mentioned fake looking BJ scene. Every fake BJ scene. It's the exact same camera motion. It is every like blowjob I've ever got. It, it zooms in. <laughs> the camera goes up. The guy's face goes like, he. it's just like deadpan face. And then it's like, Oh, and then like his eyes just go wide. And then he puts his head back and then his eyes roll. Every fucking scene is like that. And it drives me up a wall. Like dude, either why, film it differently or don't do it. It's also like, dude, who just like you just stand like in the middle of that plate. You don't go and like lean up against that or like wall. Go, yeah. Like, fam, go get comfortable. Like you got time. You don't yeah. in ten <laughs> seconds. Like Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and once again, it's just trashy. And obviously he he runs away and you know, she says something snarky, like say hi to what is her name? Paige her or something Laura. like that. Or uh, whatever her the fuck her name. Mar. Her name's Mara. Okay. Uh, she's like, oh, say hi to her for me, haha. Uh, and then she's like laying out, and um, we see the cannibal jerking off. Uh, but then like, so, so then she gets offed by one of like the sister cannibal, which is introduced yep. here. And I think we can st- kind kind of go into this. Um, I I don't think the cannibals are as well designed here. I think they are kind of generic looking. They they look a little all too similar. We learn that there's seemingly like a mother, a father, and then a son and a daughter. Is that did I get this right? Yes. And then there's there's four a, of them. Yeah, there's four of them. And then there's kind of a side plot which is never really talked about or or like justified but she's also like the mother or whoever it is is having a baby so there's also like a baby an inbred baby um which again doesn't really have anything to do with the plot it it only really comes into play at the end but yeah so there's four and then plus the baby eventually yeah dude and i can't even like remember the order i i think they they a couple of them so this one dude who's the definition of a jerk off like definition of a douchebag who's like and i and so here's the thing that we're gonna deal with with some of these franchises there is some blatant uh like misogynistic uh yeah. uh um so you're you're talking about language jo- you're talking about jonesy who is the yes blonde jonesy. basically horny dude yeah uh there's some misogynistic language there's some uh borderline like homophobic language when he's talking about this woman who he assumes is a lesbian or maybe is i i don't know yeah, it's it's yeah she talks it's revealed later that she is and it's like a, a good portion of the jokes and like the weird part it, is it just keeps going like it it is played off and like obviously you know certain stuff you know it doesn't age well and like you know you get that but like in a lot of movies from that time period it's like a joke or two and you know it's whatever um but here it just keeps going like it is like like that one scene is like a couple minutes and it's just like and it's not even like jokes he's just like it's just comments after comments like 
the Jonesy character in specifically, like he is just so fucking horny all the time. And that's all he talks about. And it right. it's like almost distractingly bad. Um, yeah. And like, again, I get the point is that basically all the characters are supposed to be pretty despicable and pretty unlikable because they are stereotypes. And that's kind of where the parody aspect come in, comes into play. The problem is they don't go far enough into it, like literally being satire to where it kind of makes sense to, you know, because generally if you're going to have that sort of character, you want to have them be saying something or making a point. Um, but they're really right. And, there really isn't that. And and one of my issues with wrong turn two is that I think it starts off as a, a pretty self-aware flick. And I think it's a self-awareness dips as the movie goes on it absolutely s- it starts as a real horror comedy and then by the end we are kind of back to the same tone as the first one so it's interesting because i definitely agree with you in that the tone shifts um you know from the beginning it's very fun it's like almost a comedy and then by the end it turns into the the tone is much more similar to wrong turn the one kind of piece of that that keeps it from being the same tone as wrong turn one is henry fucking right. Rollins because <laughs> right. at some point in the movie he gets abducted um by three finger they have a 1v1 fight with a shotgun <laughs> henry you know rollins beats him which is you know a huge moment that's like taking down thanos and <laughs> he then they basically just rip off predator because he then proceeds to put mud all over his face and basically outfit himself with a shitload of weapons and go just try to hunt down all of these together. It's like near the end of the movie, you know, it starts to get a little bit more serious. Uh, A lot of them get captured. Uh, You know, it's starting to look more dire. And then we'll just like cut to Henry Rollins, like crawling around in the mud, making explosive arrows. Yeah, dude. It's time. (laughs) Dude, it's fucking bad shit. And then, like it's it's almost hard to like explain anything in a in a chronological order but like so uh jones this is where i was going with this but jonesy and uh the kind of army woman uh kind of come across a kid and he says oh let's eat this meat and then they eat it and then they find out that it was the woman that was killed at the beginning of the movie yeah and they uh and then they kind of scatter and then they're together and then they come across the son cannibal having sex with his sister cannibal his cannibal sister or whatever yeah and that's a, a scene dude that's a scene like but they but they don't know that they think it's a like a civilian woman and so they kind of approach it and what i don't understand about that is they kind of approach it like hey get off of her but then the cannibal woman like does a backflip off of this tree stump. And then, <laughs> dude, this franchise, this franchise has way more is <laughs> the craziest shit we've talked about yet. <laughs> she does a backflip off this tree stump, but then they were like, they're in fight mode, but they just then are like, Oh, there's two of them. Now we have to run away. Why wouldn't they just like follow? Why wouldn't they just follow through with their, with yeah, their they were like, attack? Hey, we're going to like, yeah, like, you know, get off. And then like, Oh, her eye looks a little fucked up. Let's run away. Like <laughs> it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What a fucking movie, man. <laughs> the one thing I, I wanted to add is that the general direction and editing of this movie is kind of weird yeah. because it's very of the times 
the editing is sometimes so fucking quick and frenetic that I can't tell what the fuck's going on. Um, especially near the beginning, like the very opening kill. I mean, this looks like some Michael Mann, like shaky cam shit of like cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts. And it's really hard to tell what's going on. And, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes like when they're leaning into the humor of like trying to be bad reality television with not only the direction, but also the music, because the music is sometimes terrible, which is funny because it's um, it's Bear McCreary, who um, also did the Walking Dead soundtrack. And that music is incredible. Uh, so it's just funny that he did the music. And so like sometimes it's like I don't know if they're trying to be bad on purpose. I'm sure they are. But in a lot of areas, it genuinely is just it's not the most well-made movie. Right. Uh, but so at the end, they uh, do end up they have two people. They have Jake and then they have kind of the moody, uh, edgy woman, I guess. What What is her name? Uh, Nina. The goth girl. Nina, yes. And I do think that those are probably the two most likable people, even yeah, though Nina Nina's pretty cold, but I'd say Jake is the most likable person in the cast. But th- that is kind of when we get some big Texas Chainsaw vibes, right? Yep. Like literally her <laughs> being chained down to a uh, table, having to eat human meat with the inbreds and like they're all right. laughing. I mean, it is it is almost shot for shot. From the original Chainsaw Massacre, which you know, I'm okay with that. Like it, it, it is very much a reference. Um, and it, it's weird they don't really play it for laughs, though. It, it, that, like I said, that's where some of the tonal inconsistencies come in because that's supposed to be kind of a scary scene, but it's just not because, as you mentioned, and I do agree with this, the cannibals don't look as good as they did in the first one. They have way more screen time, um, but the makeup takes does take a considerable sort of nosedive. Um, and mm. they look just slightly deformed versus like actual menacing people especially the younger ones they just look like weird ass kids right um, and so we do have like some decent action sequences here uh and then we even like <laughs> this is me reading in too much into the consistency but it's something to bring up we have like an indoor warehouse mini little warehouse where they yeah. keep all of the it's like the junkyard from the first one but it's indoors and there's a decent little section going through there. Uh, but so is this, is this, a, is this, I am once again reading too far in. Is this an alternate timeline or is this, a, <laughs> a, a, or is this a separate group of cannibals that one also has three fingers? Yeah, that's the confusing part. And they don't ever address that. Because uh, it's very clearly not the same area. Because you don't see any of the same locations. And, like, mm-hmm. again, the only really remaining figure is Three Fingers. And, like, if you do look into the plot details, it does call out that Three Fingers is from the first movie. And he does look mm-hmm. similar, although he does look a little different. So, like, it is connected. It's just not connected very well. And, again, that goes back to the whole point of why the fuck would you put a TV show next to these cannibals? I mean, it, clearly they didn't scout the location. So, yeah, it 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense then and especially near the right. end they started they kind of just pull locations out of their ass but but i think the whole draw of wrong turn 2 is that there are so many messy and borderline like bad parts but together it is a crazy fucking movie that like <laughs> that it comes together and it's like your jaws almost open for a lot of it right i mean for context 
the end has Henry Rollins coming in and blowing up two of the cannibals with an explosive arrow. <laughs> he then basically like one V one fights one with a knife and ends up, right. he, 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 he dies in a pretty gnarly manner actually uh, with uh, like, uh, they just pull out a note. It's like a, basically like a bolo uh, like that you'd see in like Australia, but it has like, I guess barbed <laughs> wire attached to it. Like, I don't know when they made that, uh, but it gets wrapped around his neck, which is, it's actually a pretty nasty death. Oh, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the final two cannibals die a la the Friday the 13th remake in 09 where they get pushed into a wood chipper. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is pretty gross. Like, again, I think the gore is really good in this movie. It is 100% increased from the first movie. And so, like, that's an actually kind of nasty scene where uh, they get crunched up and you can hear their bones and kind of tissue being ground up and then it shows all their remains kind of falling into basically giant barrels of blood. Right. Uh, so like <laughs> the movie, it, it it ends. And like, I, I did enjoy the ending more than the first movie because at least there's a little, there's a little bit more going on than just right. you know, Chris showing up with a shotgun. But then we also do have like a bit of a coda where we get oh a long, God, it's the best we get a long extended look at this or wait, no before. They're creeping up on the family and they give birth. That's the second one, right? Where like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happens like halfway into the movie. Where yeah, it's when where, um I forget who gets I think it's like Amber. Um they're in like one of the houses, and yeah, like the whoever's pregnant, they run in her like a shitload of like black slime comes right. over. It was really then, sudden. Yeah, and like I said, that's like it's a weird plot point because they don't ever address it besides at that moment and then at the very end. It is literally there to set up further sequels. Right. We get a we get a pretty long extended look at this mutant baby. It's like a good like 20 seconds of just this baby like sucking on a finger. Yeah, like there's a human like, finger. Well, to start, it's and it's shown that it's it's three fingers because it shows his hand um with the little rag over his um his fourth finger there so like <laughs> it, it not only does it imply that, th that three fingers somehow live from having a double barrel shotgun uh blasted into his chest in a river uh i don't know how we managed to you know our boy is really strong i guess um but like <laughs> being spilt into the water is like this green slime and they don't like explain what that is and like uh three fingers puts it into a baby bottle and then serves it to the kid like what does that like is that like super serum does that like make them strong like, like what the hell is that is that ground up is that like their family like it yeah, i don't know it doesn't really make any sense and it and it, and it is there to set up further sequels i guess three fingers gonna you know i don't know go fuck a couple other people and make it right. family members i you know i don't know it, it also kind of just ends, but it is a little bit more of a setup. Yeah. And what is disappointing about wrong turn uh, two for me is that um, they really set up the beginning with like, they try to establish some rules to this reality show game that they're playing. Uh, it doesn't really pay off. It pays off once at the end. Um, it, yeah, there are a couple times it's referenced like some of the cannibals set off some traps that are like 
in the woods. Ah, there's yeah. something I, I should have wrote it down. There's something like in one of the last scenes that actually does reference. Uh, I believe what you're talking about is like, uh, basically they have like these quarantine, they're not quarantine, um, uh, contamination cards, I think, or radioactive cards around them. And like, if your radioactive card goes off, you lose and you're the end of the movie. Is this what you're referencing? It goes yeah. off, which alerts the, the other cannibals to it. Yeah, and and so they use that as like a distraction or something like that. Um, I wish they would have paid off more in some kind of way. Um, it's even like halfway if it, through the movie, actually, I'm really halfway. Like maybe a quarter. It's kind of dumped because yeah. once the cameras come off, it's again, it's just them surviving in the woods, and like the whole game show aspect doesn't really come into play. Like it would have been maybe more interesting if like people were watching online and like yeah sure if it was like real or not or if like there were producers back home who were watching it and who were like you know trying to like you know send in supplies or something for you know like there's they could have gone a little it, bit further with it because it, it's like mostly there to just set up why they're in the woods but they don't end up doing anything with right it on. yeah like you were kind of describing like kind of what the cleansing hour does Right. Yeah, like but, exactly. Like, because that's cool I, because the audience isn't sure if it's real, and so it kind of gives you this like juxtaposition of like this crazy shit going on, and then like an audience laughing or like. Right. I will. Fake. I will say in two thousand seven, I don't think people were watching live stuff probably like not, that. Probably not. But like uh, big, you know, Big Brother was a thing, and like yeah, could, that's true. It, it that, wouldn't be like yeah. Twitch, but they could probably maybe watch a live feed potentially. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I think we both agree. I just wish that um, they could have paid off the setup a little more. Yeah, because it's it's almost there. Like the movie, the movie kind of sets up a direction it wants to go. It does go there, and then by the third act, it sort of just crawls its way back to being just like the first wrong turn. So it's really close to me for being like an actually really awesome horror movie um where it stands it's mostly just a really fun stupid horror movie um that i think is decently well done yeah i mean yeah i kind of go back and forth i will say i didn't like it as much the second time i i don't know if it was just something like uh tonally it didn't because the first wrong turn, even though it's much more vanilla, I think it's more consistent um, compared yep. to the second one. But the second one, you get like the fuck insane crazy factor. So it, it's uh, interesting watching them back to back because I think it does watching them back to back makes wrong turn two feel a little better hmm. because in my opinion, it is more fun. I had I was more entertained. And it kept my attention a little bit more just because it kind of is so goofball. Um, right. But as a film and a standalone horror flick, the first one I think has it beat in consistency and just general filmmaking. I, I think it's a better directed movie. Um, and, you know, it's editing. And I, I even, to an extent, think its pacing is a little bit better um, just because Wrong Turn 2 is just, it's kind of a roller coaster, right? It's just, it's all over the place. It goes from being interesting to a little boring too really campy too a little too serious and it, that's kind of the downfall of it 
Well, you know, overall, I think a good start to what will be a very interesting series. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I will say it's been a while since I've seen um, the very later sequels. Uh, so, you know, I think for a couple of them, it'll basically be like watching them for the first time. Um, you know, all leading up to what is one of our most anticipated movies of the year, the Wrong Turn remake. And it's interesting because, you know, looking at the trailer so far, it, it looks like it has nothing to do with the series at all. Right. And this is why, like, watching the first one, which is, by all accounts, not that remarkable, I think it ultimately ends up as, like, a solid flick because I think more things are average instead of bad in that first Wrong Turn movie. But, like, for, it's for just, sure. and that's why, like, this is a rare time when it's like, you know what makes sense? Is it, like, maybe a Wrong Turn? uh reboot and it actually happened instead of like a fourth halloween one yeah because like i think generally with you know it makes sense to reboot something when it warrants it like you said if if there's like a cool concept but it wasn't necessarily done to its full ex extent which i think is exactly what wrong turn is wrong turn has a cool setup that isn't always delivered to um its full capability. So that's why I'm kind of excited for it. Cause I think the, the highs of wrong turn two for me are higher than wrong turn one, but the lows are way, way, way lower than the first movie. So it, in a lot of ways, they sort of are, they're pretty adjacent in my opinion. Yeah, dude, this is going to be a, this is going to be a ride. Buckle in people. It's going to be fun. Well, once again, thank you so much for listening uh, to AOH this week. Super duper excited to start a new series. Um, as always, if you want to support us with a digital membership, that is the best way to help us out. We super duper appreciate it. Once again, we do not have those business cards in. Maybe someday, maybe someday. Uh, but you can go ahead and hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Isle of Horror um, for constant updates on what we're doing. Uh, you know, you can also follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, we're pretty active on there. Not only if you want to see sort of a preview, if you will, of what we think about the upcoming wrong turn movies, um, but our thoughts on horror and other genres alike. Uh, you can definitely check that out. I'm at Jake Dalby. That's Jake D-A-L-B-E-Y. Parker? Uh, I'm P.K. Reed. P-K-R-E-E-D. And as always, be kind, rewind, We'd really, really appreciate it.